so much for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with Mother Nature's recent wrath, move on to the dumbest things Republicans have done so far, and follow all of that up with a moment of clarity, SCOTUS edition. Let's begin, shall we? It's summertime and the living ain't easy. Humans, of course, are notorious for manipulating their surroundings to make life more comfortable for their species. Unfortunately for the rest of this planet, that means their habitats have been colonized and altered, making their lives more than a bit difficult. So for after centuries of this kind of treatment, changing the planet to suit humanity's wants and needs, is it any wonder over the last month It appears as if Mother Nature has had enough with our shenanigans. And like any good mother who's fed up with the way her children are blatantly disregarding her home and everything in it, Mother Nature has decided to put humanity on restriction. Unfortunately, one of the things we've recently been restricted from is breathable air. Millions of Americans are on alert, being urged to stay indoors. The National Weather Service issuing air quality alerts. Air quality-wise, the conditions affect Americans in at least 18 states. The iconic Empire State Building shrouded in that orange Mm. haze. And the rest of New York City's skyline looks like we're seeing it through an orange filter. All that smoke is coming from wildfires in Canada. While wildfires are not caused by climate change, excessive heat and drought are. And experts believe that's helping fuel longer and more intense fires. Oh, man. Gaia ain't playing around. She says since we want to heat up the temperature of the planet with all of our carbon emissions, then we don't get to have nice things like breathable air. Oh, and speaking of having a hot girl summer, good old Tara Mater has found a way to roast all of us the only way she knows how. An astonishing milestone this week. Monday and Tuesday, the hottest days ever recorded on Earth. Even with half the world in winter, the average global temperature at 62.6 degrees Monday, and even higher, 62.9 on Tuesday. Sarasota, El Paso, and Portland all seeing record highs Wednesday. And in Tucson, Arizona, it was a staggering 107 degrees. We're pushing our ecosystems and our climate into a different place uh, than it's been for the entirety of human civilization and that is alarming my mother would say is it hot enough for you whenever i would complain about the summer heat back in the long ago time of 1985 that summer saw an average temperature of 69 degrees fahrenheit because america is too good for celsius and i thought it was hot back then Little did I know, 37 years later, the average summer temperature would be 73 degrees in Fahrenheit, of course, because America. And looking back on summers from my childhood past, what the fuck was I complaining about back in 1985 when it was 69 degrees out and saying, oh, well, this is just too hot for me to handle when just this past Monday and Tuesday were the hottest days on record since we've been recording. (laughs) So, if the past is any indicator of the future, 
2023's summer average temperature will be approximately 77 degrees Fahrenheit. One more time for Greece Team 6, training for the shit-smearing insurrection in the back of some trailer park in Florida. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but 77 degrees Fahrenheit is hot as fuck. But if you think you'll be able to find some relief from the heat in any of those refreshing bodies of water taking up most of the real estate on this planet, <laughs> think again, because apparently we are restricted from that too. A small group of orcas is causing a lot of damage to boats off the Iberian Peninsula. Just last month, killer whales surrounding a boat sailing through the Strait of Gibraltar. The pod rammed the boat continuously for over an hour, managing to remove the rudder. In another recent instance, three orcas repeatedly struck a yacht, causing it to sink entirely. In just two days, there have been five suspected shark attacks off of New York beaches. The lifeguards, the New York State Park Police, the New York State Park staff, we're watching over those these beaches more than we ever have. Florida had the most with 16. Three more last week in Pensacola. A large shark lurking in the water as swimmers scrambled to get back on the beach. You know, if this were Florida, I would say this makes total sense with sharks lurking in the waters because that's where everything else goes to lurk. But New York beaches? The average temperature of the water in those New York beaches is 67 degrees, which, by the way, is fucking cold compared to the temperature of the water off the coast of Florida, which is 83 degrees. And you'd think sharks like it hot, but you'd only be partially correct because it turns out sharks have been migrating north for a while now, enjoying that balmy 67 degree water and turning New York, Long Island and other northeastern coast beaches into a post-production scene from Jaws. And while that's scary AF, it's nothing compared to the orcas like White Gladys, who is suspected of and by the way, this is a bona fide scientific theory. Running her own Chuck Norris School of Self-Defense, teaching other orcas in her pod how to kick ass and sink ships just because she got clipped by some billionaire's boat a while back. Sounds like a Spielberg-inspired story with orcas instead of that great white. And honestly, Stephen, if you're listening... Maybe actual killer whales who are really dolphins with a bad name could be the blockbuster protagonist that you've been looking for. Now that the last, last entry into the Indiana Jones saga is complete and has totally bombed at the box office. Just a thought. And while angry climate change deniers try and wrap their tinfoiled heads around the notion that all this extra carbon dioxide humans are releasing into the atmosphere is warming the overall temperature of the entire planet. Let's move on to one Democratic governor who has figured out how easy it can be to pull the wool over the poorly educated. Using his veto powers, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers has signed a new state budget that increases funding for public education for the next 400 years. You see the legislature approved boost in funding through the 2024-25 school year. The governor took his handy veto pen, crossed out the 20 along with a hyphen, changing 2024-25 to 24-25. That those edits, quote, are allowable under the Constitution and court decisions on partial veto. The hyphen seems to be new, but the courts have allowed partial veto of punctuation, end quote. Now, I'm just going to get this out of the way. For those of you who did not graduate from high school and complain incessantly about civics not being taught in schools anymore, 
while simultaneously raging over what Wisconsin's brilliant Democratic governor, Tony Evers, just did to ensure funding for public schools in that state for the next 400 years. Sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. If you don't like the powers that a Wisconsin governor has to undo the stupidity-fueled destruction Republicans want to unleash onto their own children, then blame your own party. Wisconsin Republicans presented a budget that ignored the problems of their own citizens. Important things like $300 million toward making child care affordable so parents can go to work at that job they're laughably underpaid to do. Spoiler alert, if employers paid a living wage, the state of Wisconsin wouldn't have to help out with child care, but that's beside the point. What is the actual point is Evers also did away with the $1.8 million per year tax break Republicans gave to their donors in that budget. Because when you make your money off the labor of others, you should not get away with paying less than your fair share in taxes. And I know that's a hot take for some people like Orange Mussolini's former sidekick and the worst governor Indiana's ever elected, Mr. Mike, I call my wife Mother Pence. Norman Pence was recently on stage somewhere rocking back and forth like a toddler while ignoring his belt and holding on to his pants during a speech before a live Republican audience when he decided to tell everyone how he really feels about taxing the rich. I'm somebody that I don't really buy into the the rich need to pay their fair share. I mean, when you look at when you look at the, the statistics of where we actually get funding for the government, the top 10% of earners in this country I, I pay about 90% of the money that goes into the federal treasury. I mean, Democrats always use these examples. I'm not saying they don't exist. Okay. People have tax accounts and they figure out how to pay a little, little tax as they, as they can. But a lot of times Democrats use this to, to talk about raising taxes in America. And I think one of the big issues in 2025, I just asked about this on the radio, they said, what's the most urgent thing in 2025 that the new Republican president have to get done? And I said, you've got to make the Trump-Pence tax cuts permanent because they go away at the end of 2025. Of course, that's the number one priority of someone whose self-proclaimed net worth is $4 million. But I'm going to go out on a limb and bet that no one in that audience has a net worth of more than $10,000. So why would they even give a shit whether the Trump tax cuts end in 2025 or not? All the poorly educated schlubs who attended Pence's barely speaking event have seen their taxes increase by a minimum of $65 a month because of what Pence's former boss did during his reign of stupidity. See, Dingus Khan made sure the tax breaks on the middle and lower class, basically his voting base, had a very, very short life ending just about a year after they were implemented, while the rich are still benefiting from having $1.5 trillion less that they have to pay in taxes. But you know what? Who cares about rich people having to pay poor people level taxes, or maybe none at all, like the former commander in cheese? 
Because Oklahoma's shockingly pasty superintendent of schools, Mr. Ryan Walters, is on a self-proclaimed mission to keep future generations of Oklahomians from learning about that one time their own angry white people got so upset over the financial achievements of some fellow black citizens, they burned an entire business district with an estimated 300 black people in it to the ground. And if you haven't guessed already, I'm talking about the Tulsa Massacre of 1921 that happened in Oklahoma, where Walters is a superintendent on a self-proclaimed mission, of course, that he gave himself against critical race theory, which happens to be just an elective college course offered to students seeking a degree in the legal field, but definitely not an option to any student attending a school that Walters would be in charge of overseeing. However, that has not stopped Cracker Jack from declaring the following. Video of State Superintendent Ryan Walters is making rounds on social media after a public meeting in Norman last night. He was responding to a question about whether the 1921 Tulsa race massacre can be taught in schools because of the critical race theory law. I would never tell a kid but because of your array, because of your color of your skin, or your gender, or anything like that, you are less of a person or, an, or are inherently racist. That doesn't mean you don't judge the actions of individuals. Oh, you can absolutely, that, historically you should. This was right, this was wrong. They did this for this reason. But to say it was inherent in the, because of their skin is where I say that is critical race theory. Oh yeah, and it's not at all gaslighting just to throw CRT around because you're being confronted with the very racist motives of numerous and very murderous white people, and it makes you feel all delicate like a snowflake. Because admitting that white people who murdered black people and destroyed an entire section of Tulsa's business district in 1921, and did it, of course, because they were upset over black people's success, is just a bridge too far for you, my friend. No, that's why you want us to leave out that part when we teach history to children. The part about how people's white supremacy-fueled racism is a determining factor in their historical behavior. Or perhaps, Whiny Ryan was born and raised just an hour and a half from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the scene of one of the most disgusting acts of racism committed by white people in our nation's history. And maybe that's where the sticking point is. See, I don't know for a fact that discussing the Tulsa massacre offends Weeksauce Ryan because he knows that some of his family members may have participated in the massacre. I just know that it's true. And speaking of violent white people, we should be warning school-aged children about. What do you think happened after Eric's dad posted the home address of a particular former U.S. president on his Twitter knockoff website? After federal agents spotted and chased Taylor Toronto outside the D.C. home of former President Obama, they say they found guns, hundreds of rounds of ammunition, and a machete in Toronto's van parked nearby. The feds had already been trying to arrest Toronto for allegedly being part of the mob that attacked the Capitol January 6th, for which he faces four misdemeanor charges. Federal prosecutors told a judge Toronto could have learned Obama's address from a social media post by former President Trump. They allege Trump posted what he claimed was Obama's address on his Truth Social platform the same day Toronto was arrested near the home. 
Yeah, that is totally on brand for any of the 74 million maggots who voted for the Vanity Manity back in 2020. So here we have a middle-aged, bearded, and bloated white man who is a former U.S. Navy officer turned shit-smearing insurrectionist that had absolutely nothing better to do in the middle of the day than wander around the neighborhood where President Obama's D.C. home happens to be after Girth Vader posted the address online. And I'll bet he was just coming back from a round of cosplaying Grease Team 6, which is why he had guns and a shit ton of bullets in his car. Or perhaps it's the fact that this poorly educated disappointment is living in his car. And that's why he was hanging around outside Obama's house. Either way, I'm glad Tubby Toronto is off the streets and out of his car. Now at least he's got a jailhouse roof over his head and three square meals a day, as long as he doesn't get shanked for the biscuit at lunchtime. And speaking of stupid shit Republicans do, it's been one week since the bogus SCOTUS decided student debt is forever, along with few other rulings that we've discussed in previous episodes. But this whole canceling debt issue... This is really a boomer-sized fuck you to the generations born after them. And let me explain with some math and some time travel. In the long-ago time of 1971, Clarence Thomas attended Holy Cross College and paid a measly $14,550 for the degree that got him on the highest court of the land. But if someone wanted to follow in Clarence's footsteps they'd have to cough up $299,920. Moving on, back in the 1972 era, Samuel Alito went to Princeton to get his law degree, and it only cost him $15,040. That same degree today costs $318,000, $160. Chief Justice Roberts attended Harvard University in 1979, and he paid $21,400 for the right to tell other college students, no debt relief for you. By the way, the same degree today costs $337,652, if anyone's interested. Justice Brett, I like my beer, Kavanaugh, got his degree from Yale, and it cost him, or whoever actually paid for his college education, $57,990 back in 1987. But if you would like to be like Brett, it's going to cost you $338,100 today. And keeping with this theme... Justice Amy Conjob Barrett attended Rhodes College back in 1992. She paid $70,664 for her degree, but it just so happens today it's going to cost you $273,112. But please tell me more about how college graduates are lazy and just want a handout because they owe an average of $300,000 after graduation for a degree that costs the average Supreme Court clown just $42,000 in debt after their graduation. 
And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. And we are on social media, wherever you can find us. Threads. This Week Again is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, or basically just anywhere where you can find podcasts. And I want to thank you very much for listening to this show. Today for now.